Hello, everyone. Uh, this is probably not the intro that you usually expect to hear from a major spoilers podcast, because today, if everything has gone well, it's a very special day here at Major Spoilers. Today, um, April 26, 2010, we will have welcomed in a new addition to our household, and so we're away for that. And so we're recording this a little bit of out of practice. Um, and I'm also going to kind of break a little tradition here. People have known for the longest time that I don't tend to give my son's name away on the air because, quite frankly, there's a bunch of you messed up efforts out there that I don't want anywhere near my kid. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't so, want us near his kid, to be frank. Exactly. You notice every time, Matthew, that uh, when we come to the store that uh, um, he never comes in to that say hello to that, you. That he's wearing a paper bag. <laughs> 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 but I'm going to break with that tradition today because it kind of goes into uh, today's show and today's topic. My son's name is Mason Jorel Schleicher. Uh, his brother's name is Thomas Wayne Schleicher. So if you're even remotely familiar with comic books, you know where Jor-El and Thomas Wayne come from. They are I the fathers of the two greatest heroes of all time, Superman and Batman. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> Superman and Batman. <laughs> I, Peter Parker. <laughs> you, are, you are so... so what, I, what I like about your, your choice in names is that it doesn't put pressure on the kids. Oh, no. It put pressure, pressure on, on the grandkids. <laughs> exactly. And I have, already told, I have already told my son that someday he will uh, have the greatest son in all, uh, in all the world, and he'll have to rock him off into space. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, uh, we're excited about that. Again, if everything has gone well, uh, then, uh, we've welcomed him into the, into the world and his brother and, and he are now going to have the greatest team up in history. And that's our topic today on major spoilers. So let's kick this off as we normally do each and every week. Major spoilers theme song. Major spoilers theme song. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. I'm Steven. I'm Rob. I'm Brian. And I'm Alex. And you're listening. And I'm Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> And you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, 30 seconds, I talk a lot about stuff that you don't understand, especially if you're as young as Rodrigo, Rob, and Brian, but hey, it's probably funny, so just laugh anyway, because the cadence of it is really good, like when you dangle the keys in front of a six-year-old kid, the Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air! (laughs) Welcome, 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 everybody, to the Major Spoilers Podcast. Again, so glad that you are here with us on this day, and please forgive us as we do things a little bit differently this week. There is no... um, There is no trade paperback that we're going to be discussing this week. In fact, uh, the one that we had scheduled for this week, we will push off until next time. So if you were expecting us to hear about um, uh, Jack Kirby's Fourth World Omnibus, you got another week to go catch up on that. And by the way, you can head over to Amazon.com and pick that up if you have not. Everybody, thank you for coming to the party today. Yeah, no problem. Hey, uh, Superman and Batman have been... Named the world's finest, the greatest team-ups of all time. But you know what? There are other team-ups that are pretty great and awesome, including my sons. And uh, so today I thought we would talk about some other awesome team-ups throughout history. Matthew, you seem to be a plethora, uh, depth of knowledge. You seem to have things at the ready. A virtual plethora of dearth, if Yes, you or girth. I don't know which one we're talking uh, about. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, so is your mother. Mm-hmm. Now, all right. When you look 
at superheroes, and I am actually flying blind. Usually I do a little research for the show, but hey, what the heck. Right. I do believe that if you start any discussion of superhero team-ups, you do have to start with Superman and Batman, because I believe, and I may be wrong, I believe that Superman and Batman are the first heroes back in the Golden Age to cross over to one another. If I'm not mistaken, and again, people will tell me if I'm not, basically every superhero kind of existed in their own little world. Right. And then I believe World's Finest Comics may or may not, now that I think about it, have predated Justice Society of America in All-Star Comics number three. So I may be full of crap. But in any case... Well, let's look here. Superman Wikipedia. and Batman basically yeah. represent the two Dude, extra ways. The ultraviolet and infrared of superheroes, if you will. And you have to start any discussion there simply because of who they are and what they do. Batman is, in the most basic sense, a knockoff of Superman, who is, in the most basic sense, a knockoff of about 15 different elements. Right. But when I was a kid, I remember the first, one of the first DC books I ever read was a Gene Colan drawn issue of World's Finest because I knew Superman and I knew Batman and I figured with the two of them together, it couldn't suck. And it didn't. And that was what's really weird. I have no particular affiliation or, you know, super deep love for either. But together, in a good story, Superman and Batman are really more than the sum of their parts. And I think that you have to start there. Um, just a point of clarification, Matthew, you're probably not too far off because um, just a Society of America was released in the winter of 1940. Uh, mm-hmm. The first um, uh, World's Finest was in the spring of 1941. So they're I probably the f- only issue a few one was off. World's Best Comics, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, World's Best Comics, yes. Yeah. Hey, we've got with us in the show. Hey, buddy. How are you? Where is the Spider Man bike? The Spider-Man bike. That's a good question. I don't know. I will in just a little bit. Okay. Let me ask you. Out teaming up with a Batman bike. Let me ask you a question. (laughs) Who do you like to see Spider-Man fighting? uh, Who is a good teammate for Spider-Man? I don't know. You don't know. If you could have any of your superheroes fight with Spider-Man against the bad guys, who would it be? The The Joker. You would want Spider-Man nice, and the nice. Joker to that team would, up. That would be an awesome face turn for the <laughs> that Joker. Would. Yes, it would. All right. All right. Thank you, buddy. We'll look for that in a little bit, and uh, we will see you in a little while, okay? All right. I'm telling you, I can't wait till Mason's generation starts writing comics. Uh, you know, he, that would be awesome. He got a good kick now. A few weeks ago uh, on Batman, the Brave and the Bold, they had uh, a team-up where it was just the villain. So it was Joker, yeah. the Villainous, and the Vile, or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And it was a pretty yeah. good, interesting uh, team-up. What I loved is the fact that the Joker's inspiration, the Weeper, yes. is pretty much a, a blatant reference to Batman's inspiration, the Reaper, mm. from from the post-crisis comics. And every time, everything that came out of his mouth, and I think he was voiced by Tim Conway, which made it doubly brilliant, everything that came out of his mouth, I'm like, they are so milking this for the three guys that get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a good episode. And Mason got a kick out of it, too. Um, you know, though, to, to kind of, <laughs> it would be kind of interesting... A Spider-Man Joker team up. Yeah. Um, wow, that would be quite. Wouldn't different. that? Wouldn't that be really badass? Uh, <laughs> Marvel DC. If you guys are looking for crossovers, there you go. go for it. Uh, Matthew, I, going back to what you were talking about, I would agree with you. I, you know, for me, World's Finest has always been that first time that I've ever seen uh, heroes team up. Uh, especially for me, reading comics and seeing team up stuff didn't really happen for me until 
you know, the 1980s when, uh, when I saw not only a world's finest team-up between Batman and Superman, but it also recounted the multiple times that they'd ever met in their lives, their yeah. multiple first appearances, mm-hmm. and then it turns out it's all part of an alternate Earth story. Which, again, adds a total another <laughs> twist to that. So you've got four different first meetups. You've got uh, the fact that it all takes place on a different Earth. And uh, for someone that's like 10 or 11 or whatever, traveling cross-country reading this, it was quite the mind trip. But ever since then, I've always thought that it was always cool to see Superman and Batman working together to trick Lois Lane or whoever that they're trying to fool uh, to go against a common foe. And, of course, there's that time that they actually merged together. Yes. Uh-huh. So how can you not... Uh, Into Madman. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Bat-Bat. Yeah. Yes. Don't forget Bat-Bat. Yes. Rodrigo, do you so, have, a, do you have a, a, a team-up that you find particularly fascinating? Um, I think the very first team-up that I encountered in, in that sense was... I had this terrible Spider-Man comic about <laughs> literacy. Mm-hmm. And, nice. and in it, Spider-Man is like chasing some ridiculous villain through a library and then into books so you see like spider-man team up with like robin hood oh cool which was cool but also with joan of arc which was weird and yeah the anna karenina part was depressing as hell i know it's like superman and dr zhivago yeah um so it, it certainly didn't highlight what i thought you know even as a kid reading it was most important which is that especially with Robin Hood, is like, what did he swing from? I mean, when he was in the forest, then that's right, fine. Right. But when he was out in, like, an archery contest, it's like, what's, what's Spider-Man going to swing from? Um, so, uh, as usual, team-ups often raise more questions than they, uh, yeah, you're th- right. than they answer. Such as, why do we have team-ups? Right. And I think that's, that's... It's pretty interesting because now team-ups are the norm you know superheroes team up all the time but there was a time when they didn't you know you talk about um you know how each superhero lived in its own universe well back then that was implicit Mm -hmm. you know it's not that superheroes lived in their own universes that nobody had thought to take them out of that universe and bring them into a shared universe right so now i mean even as new comic companies come in they usually create, you know, you, you look at Invincible. Invincible isn't mm-hmm. a, a comic about one guy from the offset. It's about one guy, and there's this whole pantheon of superheroes within mm-hmm. that universe. Even if you don't count the the fact that you can, you know, contractually bring any image superhero into your own right. universe. Mm-hmm. Right, 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 right. Matthew, what were you going to say about team-ups and why they're important? It's, it's like the... Lit- it's Initially, I think it came from a literary tradition wherein, you know, Professor Moriarty is constantly handling, you know, all sorts of criminal aspects. And sure, Sherlock Holmes goes out to fight him, but you never see Auguste Lupin or Dupin called across to fight Professor Moriarty because each book, each writer had their own specific story that they were telling. Mm -hmm. And I think that to some degree, I'm sure there are literary antecedents, but the team up. And you'll see it in television, you'll see it in movies, you'll see it everywhere now. The team-up really came from comic books, and that shared universe mentality, for good and for ill, really sprung from those early Golden Age comics where everybody ran around and everybody ran around, and all of a sudden, bam, here's eight people together, and it turns out all their stories are taking place in that same universe. It's cool to see Hawkman and The Flash together. You know, it's cool to imagine Buckaroo Banzai teaming up with uh, Jack from uh, Big Trouble in Little China. That would be awesome, mm-hmm. wouldn't it? Though, well, if you if you look around in the uh, in the Enterprise of the new Star Trek, aren't there like 
things that are built by like Yo-Yo Dine oh, and yeah, things yeah. that are built mm-hmm. by like Skynet yeah, yeah. and Cyberdyne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's uh, go over to Rob. Rob, why do we have to have team ups with? Uh, why do we have team ups? Why are they so awesome? Oh, um, because one good thing and another good thing is always more good thing. Yeah. That's so right. I mean, if we look I, at, I mean, if we look at those good things, uh, fight uh, and uh, blow up yes. the city in the process. Uh, apparently, apparently, <laughs> Rob's favorite team up is. Reese's Pieces. <laughs> yes. Or s'mores. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, no, it's my a, favorite it's team up is a bag of Reese's Pieces and a bag of M&M's. You know, nice. it, is, it, is, it is really interesting because when you think about, you know, teams, the team superhero, that is mm-hmm. what a team up is. I mean, when we talk about the JSA or we talk about the Avengers or when we talk about this, this is that, that, that team up mentality that just mm-hmm. seems to work where you can tell more epic stories where everybody has their, their place, whether it's, Aqu- well, maybe not Aquaman, but you've got <laughs> Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman and the Green Don't Lantern. Don't you mock and the Aquaman. Uh, You know, they all have their little place and they can all do wondrous things to individually, but then uh, together as a team, mm-hmm. that's when they become uh, super awesome. Yeah. Someday you're going to stare in slack-jawed wonder <laughs> as you hear him say, I am Aquaman. <laughs> and I'm sure that's what my son wants to go as Halloween. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Rob, what's a, what's a great... an easy costume. Yeah, it is. <laughs> What uh, what's a great uh, hero team up or just team up that you've you've had throughout uh, throughout time? Oh, the first team up that I would have seen at all would have been uh, the Fox cartoon shows Spider Man and X Men when they did their crossover episodes. Mm-hmm. I was, that's what I've enjoyed the entire time. Uh, after the last couple of weekends, uh, I would say Gideon Jura and Jace the Mind Sculptor is probably the greatest team up for Magic. Oh, okay. Ever. <laughs> In in Magic the Game? Yeah. What's going on in that? Um, Jace the Mind Sculptor is hands down the strongest card in Standard right now. Uh-huh. And he is being run as the maximum number of copies in every deck that's basically Basically, it's a really good facilitator card. Mm. So you can play Jace in almost any deck. Yeah. And then... Uh, Half the decks that are actually doing good with him are also using another Planeswalker, Gideon Jura, who is also a really good... Uh, he's just a really good option for everything mm-hmm. that would be able to run him, and they're smashing face. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that's a different kind of team-up than what we were thinking, but no, I mean, that kind of works if teaming up the, the different cards and the characters together to, to do something awesome to, uh, to do some bad. Uh, D&D Brian is sitting in this week. Hi, Brian. Hello. Welcome to the show. This is the first time you've been on the podcast, right? Uh, the, the Major uh, Spoilers Major podcast. Spoilers, yes. Yeah. For you too, Rob, the, or not? The real yeah, podcast. Oh, I thought you'd been on before. Okay. Podcast. And same yeah. way with Alex as well. So this is kind of like your crossover event. Yep. Indeed. Uh, what have you got for us as far as team-ups? Well, I got to say about the earliest team-up that I ever remembered was uh, pretty much the god-awful team-ups that they'd have on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers when they'd have like, uh-huh, the, like the Ninja Turtles. The Ninja Turtles uh-huh. and the Beetleborgs uh-huh. show up for continuity breaking episodes what and how did i miss this <laughs> the teenage meet the teenage yeah. mutant ninja turtle there showed were, up in there Power was, there was that universe? period when saban was putting out a ninja turtles show yeah a live action ninja turtle right, show right with the female turtle right with the girl turtle oh, what Who how no did i miss exists. this what no it is it by is being intelligent am- it is amazingly <laughs> awful it is because it is just the power rangers pretty it, much yes i mean it just <laughs> seems like the horrible ones are the ones that stick in my mind because you know i Pretty much immediately thought of uh, Archie and the Punisher. Right. <laughs> and That's a oh, good... Just, thank you very much. I'm pretty sure Wolverine showed up in a Ren and Stimpy comic back when Marvel was doing them, too. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> just horrible stuff. But I gotta say, 
I think just in general, the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited series just basically all about having all the superheroes join up in a huge team and mm-hmm. having to fight the bad guy of the week that would ultimately culminate into this huge battle of the season ender. I just love the series. And just watching those, uh, like I say, I do like it when the superheroes fight the Superman, Captain Marvel battle. Right, right, right. Just awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just those are always fun. And Alex, what about you? Do you got one? Um, I'd say the first experience I have with a team up kind of thing. Although I guess it wasn't really a team up; it was more of a fight. Was uh, I found some old comics my dad had laying around somewhere, mm-hmm. um, and it was a compilation of Silver Surfer comics. Uh, in which one of the episodes he fights the Hulk, and uh, kind of got a kick out of it. I liked uh, the Silver Surfer, yeah. but uh, as for what I would say is a really awesome team up. Uh, I don't have as much experience with comic books as the rest of the people here, mm-hmm. um, but I do have a lot of experience reading Star Wars books. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd say one of the coolest team ups, and that is uh, two uh, squadrons. Um, and one of them is Rogue Squadron, which. Uh, they're a big deal. You know, they took down the Death Stars and stuff. Right. Um, they also later on created Race Squadron. Wh- hey, don't you wave your hand at me, Rob. Technically, Rogue Squadron didn't take down the Death Star. It was, it was Red they, Squadron and Red Squadron. Red Rogue Squadron. was not active during either Death Star run. Uh, yeah. Okay. Nerd. <laughs> anyway. Nerd on nerd violence yeah. does not happen on my show. <laughs> anyway, the, the Race Squadron is more of a special ops type of team. And between the two of them, they were able to take Coruscant, uh, the you know capital of the galaxy, pretty much. Um, and even though you know they're just a bunch of ragtag guys, they were able to do crazy stuff that facilitated the taking of uh, the biggest, most powerful you know planet in the galaxy. So, so this was a crossover between Rogue Squadron and Wraith Squadron. Yep, mm-hmm. kind of. They you know they they work on the same team, but they were always separate. Like right. they were two separate series, this kind of thing, and then they came together. How and many Mon Calamari between both teams? <laughs> I know I can eat about five pounds of Mon mm-hmm. Calamari if I, I have can remember sauce. one pilot, but I don't remember. There any was other. one pilot. There was one Mon Cal on both Rogue Squadron and Wraith Squadron. Each of them had one. Yeah, uh, I don't think the wraith squadron one lived to see the team up uh, yeah i don't think so either she died she was also the niece of you know admiral it's a trap akbar right yep. <laughs> we got too now many where, fish people kill them off where uh, in what movie did all of this stuff happen uh, <laughs> yep well, where do we, where know, do we learn about rumors, this team up it was but, uh, actually in the book that was adapted rumors. from the yeah. comic that was adapted from the uh the internet well, like, post. The, the way the way uh, like Star Wars books actually started was people were you know watched A New Hope and were like holy crap this is totally awesome and they wanted to do their they wanted to see more but nothing was happening and so people started like writing basically little comic books um, kind of fan fiction kind of things but uh, George Lucas sanctioned it at some point mm-hmm. and so there was like regular coming out. Um, like tales of the Jedi or tales of mm-hmm. this or tales of that, mm-hmm. um, in comic and, book form, right? and, and, and sometimes yeah, oh, and then okay, sometimes yeah. like comic short stories, okay, and then yeah. it started branching out into novels. And once more movies started coming out, it became a regular like solid 
canon thing for a lot of them too. No, oh, okay. Well, I mean, Tag and Bank. You know, right, right, right. The, the impetus well, no, behind I was them just, was. You know, well, I was just curious because I mean, where would somebody find out about this grand uh, team up adventure? Do you remember um, where? There it was are the X Wing series. Yeah. There are X Wing. There are Rogue Squadron comics, and I think Correct. all of the yeah. or most of the Rogue Squadron novels have been turned into a comic at this point. I believe so. If you're scared of, of books without what yeah. no the crossover I, I, I has love not. books with words, right? Yep. Uh, see, pop, pop on pop, yeah. <laughs> hop on pop, don't stop, right? Yep. Yep. No, wait, that's a different book. <laughs> that's Mika Tan's Dr. Seuss. <laughs> Take a drink. Well, you know, I was wondering when you were started going into Star Wars, um, Chewbacca and, and Han Solo, is that a team-up? R2-D2 and C-3PO, is I, that a team-up? I, I don't think that counts. And I was talking to Alex before the show, and he's like, what exactly are you guys going for? And I was like, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that a team-up has to be something that isn't re- a regular team. Mm-hmm. Like, the JLA you can get away with, because most of those guys have their own thing going. Right, their right. But, for example, Colossus and Nightcrawler teaming up is not a team-up, mm-hmm. because right. they're all part of the same team, and they are brought to you as a team. Right. You know, they're, they're they were like created team. together. Yeah. But I think that, you know, if you're looking at... I almost had it, and then it popped away from me. What were we talking about just mere moments ago before the, the Colossus? Remark? Star Wars, Rogue Squadron, Rogue Squadron C3, oh, Chewbacca, and Han There Solo. we go. Okay, so here's something that always blew my mind. George Lucas always said he was kind of uh, partially influenced by... Uh, uh, what's Rogers and Akira Kurosawa. Akira, oh, yeah, Akira, Akira Kurosawa. Kurosawa. Yeah. If you look at Star Wars, you can actually make an allegory that Star Wars is a team-up in as much as it kind of takes that Seven Samurai thing, because sure, it takes sure. the pirate... And the Wookiee and the farm boy and, you know, the older guy and the young princess and the two droids, the one who's basically a salty sailor and the one who's a kind of a metrosexual translator. Mm -hmm. And it brings them together into this super group, for lack of a better word. And then at the end of that, it took that synthesis of all the characters together with the existing Rebel Alliance to actually take down the Death Star. That is commanded by not one but two classic villains the armored bad guy and then the mysterious manipulator in the shadows so i think star wars itself should count as a team up simply because of the way it builds those characters luke then luke and ben then luke ben han and chewy then luke ben han and chewy r2 and c3po you know it it Mm -hmm. puts that team together to do what it needs to do at the end of the book or the end of the movie in this case well going back to what Rodrigo said when we're bringing these characters together isn't that what Batman the Brave and the Bold was all about or the Brave and the Bold series was all about Uh, let's bring characters that are doing things in their own books and put them into uh, into situations where they have to team up to go take down something sort of Brave and the Bold actually for a long time was just a general anthology title but you'll find that Brave and the Bold. Oops, we just lost Matthew. No, we didn't. Yep, no. now you're back. Hi, I'm back. The seven biggest heroes of the DC Universe came together as the Justice League for the first time in Brave right. and the Bold. Right. But for a long time, what Brave and the Bold was, was let's use the clout of Batman to help along characters who don't have that same level of thing. So, you know, your Metamorpho, your Doom Patrol, your Silent Knight. You know, when you have characters who don't have their own showcase, a team-up is sometimes a good way to do it. Because people who buy a Batman comic Mm -hmm. might not buy a Doom Patrol comic, but they might buy a Batman comic that has the Doom Patrol in it. And and you do get good, some good team-ups there. But you also that's that's really the the engine for terrible team-ups. 
And largely that just comes from poorly developed characters. You know, your Spider-Man slapstick. Yeah, Spider-Man <laughs> Joker team up. Yeah, I have to t- talk with no, that boy. No. Spider-Man Joker would be awesome. <laughs> but Spider-Man and anybody from the 90s with death, strike, blood, or force well, in their name? Well, I mean, look at all the, you know, in that sense, you know, Spider-Man used to be the guy who gave yeah. you the, the Colbert yep. bump. Mm-hmm. Now issue it's, 2 or Issue 3 always had Spider-Man. Yep, now for a while it was Wolverine. Now it's kind of Deadpool. Well, you know, but there was that time in the 90s and the early 2000s where it was like company crossover events were okay, Mm -hmm. but they weren't ever considered canon, you know, because here, you know, for a time there was Batman meets Punisher, Batman meets Judge Dredd, Batman and Spider-Man, Batman and Spawn, Batman and... Aliens. And aliens. Well, Batman and aliens and predators. And Superman, Superman, Batman, Batman and alien, alien predator, predator Griffith Joiner, yes. and werewolves. <laughs> and werewolves. Oh well, that was not too long ago. Um, I mean, is, is there, I mean, as you're saying, Rodrigo, the team ups are there to serve to get readers onto these other properties, which may not be as popular, right? Mm-hmm. So why well, then have Batman well, Spawn, Batman Spider Man? Crossover. You can cross over popular characters as well, because let's say you and I are two specific groups. We each represent about a hundred readers, uh, you know, in volume. Right. And <laughs> let's say I'm a huge fan of the Legion of Superheroes, and you're a huge fan of Batman. Right. They can do an issue of Brave and the Bold that takes our fandoms and brings them together. Right. To where I might go, oh, well, maybe this guy with the pointy ears isn't all so bad. And you might go, oh, there's some really hot half-naked chicks in the future. <laughs> Two great tastes that taste great together. But there's also a point where it becomes kind of morally bankrupt in that for a while in the 90s, the crossovers existed because the crossovers existed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Batman met Spawn, so Batman had to meet Spider-Man. And Spider-Man had met Superman, so obviously that meant that the Silver Surfer from Spider-Man's reality needed to meet Green Lantern from Superman's reality. And it it got to a point where the only real creative impulse was, wouldn't it be cool to see X and X? Well, right. and even, even within companies, I remember reading the Max, and all of a sudden the yes. pit shows up. And his the, the response of the Max is basically the response of the reader of, uh, what are you doing here in this enormous kitchen that I'm hanging out in? Right, right, right. And, and the pit is like, I don't know, I am the pit, basically. And it's like, oh, yeah. so just cross over and, then. Well, and that's, that's kind of... No there. character since the Red yeah. Torpedo is as, as apropos named as the pit. Yeah. Well, and that that's kind of goes back to what you were saying. I mean, Gen 13 meets Supergirl meets Superman. You mm-hmm. know, that event was more... And I think that was before DC bought Wildstorm. Wildstorm. Uh, so... Mm-hmm. You know, there was this whole idea of let's just get them together and and sell more books together. Oh yeah. Um, there have been some not so great team ups over the years, right? I mean, have there been some events where it's just like, oh my god, god, I can't believe they put uh, Command D and Anthro together or something <laughs> like that. You know. Um, you stop bad mouthing Final Crisis. <laughs> it did what it needed to do. Well, are there some bad team ups? Are there some things that we really wish would not have happened that were probably seemed like a good idea at the time and then yes. didn't? Didn't Alex? Th- th- there was uh, hor- horribly at the uh, library at my high school. There was uh, some books that were Star Trek books mm-hmm. that had a team up with X Men. Yes. Nice. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just oh those were wonderful <laughs> in their own. I mean, it was pretty hilarious to see Wolverine and Worf like hanging out in the danger room, but. Like 
that novelty wore <laughs> off real quick. But, but really, doesn't it just come across as, hello, Wolverine, I am Worf. Hello, Worf, I am Wolverine, let us fight. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, X it really plus did. X. Like, it was like, oh, this could be cool, but then it wasn't. Or the X-Men crossover with the original ge- generation to Star Trek and the comics, which Ooh, seemed yeah. to exist just to have the joke of having the two Dr. McCoys. Yep. Uh-huh. Well, and team over, uh, uh, one team up that I wish had never happened mm-hmm. because of the way it was done, Marvel versus DC in 1993. Right. Because they put the vote up to the fans. Yeah. And what it came down to is yes, the Flash yeah, can, no. in fact, outrun Quicksilver. And yes, in a fight, Wonder Woman might be slightly overpowered by Storm. But Wonder Woman would prevail. But under no circumstances is a five foot three inch Canadian Jack, never mind, going Wagon. to kill someone who goes hand to hand with Superman. It doesn't happen. And that's the point where that and Matthew cut out. Again. Okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah. What? Well, but wasn't there a point though in in one of those big uh, DC versus uh, Marvel crossovers that it was just like everything almost had to come out as a draw? Yeah. Well, and even in, even in that uh, in the in the Marvel DC crossover, there was. A little bit more plot, although it, it was tenuous, but there was a little bit more plot to that. You know, you do get moments like uh, Wonder Woman picking up Mjolnir, right. which is cool. Right. right. Um, is that the Amalgam comic series? or That that uh, is what Amalgam, Amalgam spawned spawn out, out of. of. Ah. Yeah. I thought a lot of the Amalgam stuff was actually kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But it was and, also... and that is that is its own weird team-up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm... When we speak about team ups, you know, there's a team up that I think is is really important to me, and that is the pairing of George Lucas and Steven Spielberg mm. as a team. Because if if it wasn't for the two of them, we wouldn't have Raiders of the Lost Ark, one of my most influential movies of all time. Of course, if it wasn't for the Crystals. teaming up of George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, we wouldn't have Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. It, it so all balances it, out. It does balance <laughs> itself out. I don't think we have 1941 either. So you know, well, I, did they work together on 1941? I thought they did. I may be full of crap. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so there's, yeah, that's where we're going right now. Uh, 1941. Uh, let's look. While you're looking that up. Yes. Yeah. You know, the, Steel, the Spielberg-Lucas team mm-hmm. is an example of the kind of team-up that we don't necessarily think about. Because right. if you look at Another example, and I think that's probably my version of Spielberg Lucas, is um, Jacob Kurtzberg and Stanley Lieber, Stan and Jack. Yeah. Back in the day, you know, when the Marvel Universe was starting, there were more than just two guys working. But Stan did handle the lion's share of the writing, and Jack did probably the most dramatic art. Even though there are guys like, you know, Dick Ayers and Don Heck, they were all there. Right. But it's really Stan and Jack that defined what. Marvel Comics, and by extension, sadly, what modern comics have become, just, you know, what that synthesis of those two people working together became. And I think that, you know, the the team-ups that we don't think about, those are kind of interesting. Like the time that uh, Buddha met the Shadow. (laughs) That was awesome. (laughs) Billy Uh, Preston and the Beatles. Exactly. Uh, No, uh, George Lucas had nothing to do with 1941. That would be Spielberg and Robert Zemeckis. Gladys Knight and the Beatles. Yeah, uh, but you're right. Uh, uh, Stan and Jack is an awesome team up because honestly, I don't think comic books would be where they are today, or would be as unique as they are today, 
in many cases. I mean, some I'll go on the record as saying there wouldn't be comic books today without an equivalent of Stan and Jack. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Someone, someone else would have filled the void in a different way, but without what happened in the 60s, the, the form would not have survived. Rob, do you got something else? You got another great team up or another good pairing? Ah. On in comics lately, any pairing that has Damian Wayne and anybody <laughs> but, but, but is it, hilarious. That, but does that also have to go a little bit um, in terms of um, of who's writing it? Because uh, you know, Definitely. I'll be honest with you. When and if when if it's when if it's Red Robin and Damian together, hate it. But when it's really? Supergirl and Damian together, that is the best team up that's going <laughs> on because <laughs> he is so into her. <laughs> Because, you know, he's going through that, that change, and he's liking girls, and she's an older girl that he can hang out with, and she's pretty, and she's hot, and she's just like, ew, ew, and he says everything to frustrate her, and their back and forth yep. is, the bickering is just wonderful as a team-up. But the Red Robin, Damien stuff, I just, eh, is, is almost like, I don't know, it, it, it doesn't do anything to me. The, the uh, I don't think we've seen Daddy Batman with um, Bruce and Damien really teaming up because Bruce is basically like, this isn't for me, Damien go with Nightwing and just kind of, or, you know, uh, other Batman and uh, kicks him go off with out. Other daddy. Yes. Go with Other Daddy. Yes. Other Daddy will take care Bruce of you and I have Damien to go in the drink. same room was during, like, when Bruce Batman. first came back in Batman and Robin mm-hmm. and then right at the beginning of the uh, Angel arc that just finished in Batman and Robin, they were sitting down to watch the movie and Bruce was yeah. like, shut up, Damien. Right, right, right. Yeah. Which I also thought well, was hilarious. <laughs> Damien, Damien's interactions uh, kind of remind me of another character, and you're all going to tell me I'm an idiot until you think about what I say, but Damien is today's equivalent of Ben Grimm back in the 70s. In Marvel 2 and 1, it didn't matter who the team-up person was. I mean, Batman is Batman, and Spider-Man is Spider-Man, so Marvel team-up and Brave and the Bold always worked. But mm-hmm. ben, ben Grimm and anybody was comedy gold. And I feel right. like Damien, Damien is such a strong-willed character and such an obnoxious character that no matter who he plays off, he plays hysterically, especially if the person that he's playing off doesn't have use for his crap. Whereas mm-hmm. Ben Grimm back in the day, you could put him with anybody. You could put Ben Grimm you know, side-by-side side with Doc Savage, and they did, and have it work because... Just Ben is so centered in himself. Ben doesn't take any crap. Ben doesn't give any crap. But if you punch him, he will punch you back. And I think in you know in that way, that reactiveness is kind of exactly what Damien's doing today. Mm-hmm. So you think that that's a good team up, Damien with anybody? Pretty much, yeah. I, I even enjoy the uh, Damien and Tim stuff just because I, I can see how they're actually becoming brothers. Matthew, what was the uh, wasn't there a series that was Superboy and, and Robin teaming up? Yeah, that was a, a World's Finest miniseries from the 90s. Would, would it be there cool? Was Go ahead. There was what? Of that with Kid Flash. Oh, okay. Can you repeat that again? Am I cutting out? Yeah, you yeah. are. Well, <laughs> um, Young Justice was Superboy and Robin teaming up with that added... Kid Flash element that always made it kind of fascinating too, but yeah, there was like a four issue series where they fought like Metallo and the Toy Man or some such. Uh huh. Would uh, would you like to see a series then, Rob, of of Supergirl, Damien? You know, like a different kind of take on a world's finest. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. Like every time I've seen 
I don't pick up any of the Supergirl stuff. I usually don't pick up Superman, Batman. But every time I've seen mm-hmm. Damien cross over with that, I've picked those issues up simply right, because right. they're hilarious. And I would love to see an actual either ongoing or uh, just a miniseries. <laughs> Alex, do you have another team up that you like? Well, Rodrigo was talking to me before we uh, started uh, airing here about mm-hmm. uh, something he was like I'd also considered. And uh, that is to say Smash Brothers. Uh which is a fracking awesome. Yeah, it's, if you want to talk about an awesome crossover. Yes. All right, what's Smash Brothers for those people who are not uh, um, geekly inclined? It's basically every Nintendo character, like big deal character, put together and fighting Some each other. Like a little. Deal. Oh, so like Capcom Smash stuff? No, it's, just it's Nintendo brand specifically, yeah. although they have. With the most recent With the most recent version, gotten in some characters who aren't original. So this would be like them. Mario versus. Uh, Link Kong versus Zelda Yoshi or something. Versus oh, okay. Zelda versus Link versus, versus Kirby. And what is this? This is, a, this is a, fight fight, a fight game or yeah. is this a race game? It's, uh, like it's up to four. Brawling. Yeah, it's like up to four characters on the screen at a time. Okay, cool. And you have like random items from each of the games, so like you'll see a like heart piece from Zelda drop down. You can mm-hmm. use that to heal yourself, or you can grab up a bomb and throw it at somebody. Or and why? And why is that? Why is that? A, why is that a cool team up? It's just it, it's crazy to see what's going to happen next. Like what you're going to find on the screen. Um, you know, it's like oh hey look that's a Pokemon I recognize, or oh hey look that's obviously from Kirby's Adventure or something, and mm-hmm. it's just yeah. hilarious all the time. So it's those little. Uh, uh, drops to past continuity or to past yeah. in jokes or mm-hmm. in something that you would have to know about. Yeah, and especially the most recent one, the one for the Wii, is it? It's Brawl. Brawl. Yeah, yeah Brawl had a story mode. Yeah, mm-hmm. that managed to. They, they didn't have any actual voice acting for it, right. but they managed to tell a fantastic story that made sense to have all these ridiculous amounts of I mean you've got Mario and Donkey Kong and Star Fox and mm-hmm. the Pokemon and, <laughs> and Ned Snake. and Solid, Solid Snake, Snake and <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog yeah. uh, you, you just have every genre imaginable pulled in and they made sense of the story made everybody feel like an act, their actual character they're just and there are, there are epic moments in that there is a, there is a moment where they like m- mount an assault on this like flying fortress, mm-hmm. and you see Samus's ship, you see the Great Fox, you see all the R wings from Star Fox, you see Kirby like flying in on a star, you see Meta Knight's ship, like everybody gets yeah. in on the action, and it is ridiculous. <laughs> and they're all going against. <laughs> and the they're enemy? all going against it. Um, also, the villains are in it. So Bowser, Wario, Ganon, you know, all these other guys, all the villains are also King in the game. King DDD, <laughs> and eventually through the plot line, all the bad guys end up on the good guy side. So it is oh, just this okay. massive team up against the bad guys. Wow, cool! <laughs> Sounds insane. interesting. It is ribunculus. Yeah. Well, okay, so I'm surprised that uh, this hasn't been brought up. Then, since we're deviating a little bit, or since we are deviating outside of the comic book realm, okay, Matthew, it's time for you to drop some uh, knowledge on it, all the listeners. Wrestling, wrestling tag greatest rating tag teams. Oh, boy. Yeah. You, but you have to take into account, you Robo guys are talking Cop about the Smash Brothers. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. There is a tag team in Chicago Wrestling called the Super Smash Brothers, Player Uno y Player Dos. Mm-hmm. And they each, one of them has a Nintendo console on his leg, and if you insert the Kick Fighter in there, he'll be a, a karate man, and if you insert a different game, he'll play in the realm of that game. 
whereas his partner had a pause button and a controller. So if you accidentally paused player Uno, he'd just stand there until mm-hmm. somebody pressed the unpause button. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite tag team right now is also in Chikara, the Osirian Portal, uh, Ophidian, the god of snakes, and Amasis, the funky pharaoh. And they actually hypnotize their opponents with uh, ancient Egyptian hypnosis. But you, if you really go back to it, the tag team team-up is a way to take, again, two characters who, two, in this case, real people, who might not have been popular by themselves and put them together. And if you look at the real greats like uh, the Road Warriors, separately, Hawk and Animal are just a couple of guys who spend a lot of time in the gym. Together, people believed that they were an unstoppable force, that no one could overcome them without superhuman effort. And by making them this unstoppable heel tag team, you set it up to where somewhere down the line you get that superhero moment where somebody finally comes together and successfully beats them. Mm-hmm. But you know, the concept of the tag team has become more watered down to where these days they don't even usually have names. But it's a great way to say, if you love The Rock... Right. And Rodrigo loves Stone Cold Steve Austin. Mm. That match where The Rock and Austin are forced to work together to take down, you know, the evil machinations of Degeneration X, you can all cheer over that. And the DX fans can be like, no, we hate those other guys. No, they should have never happened. <laughs> exactly. I think that if you really if you really break it down, the tag team is just an example of how you can take two things that are awesome. And you know, synthesize them into something even more awesome. I think that the the tag team is kind of a dying art, but you can take two guys who no one would pay to see, like I'm gonna say Bradshaw and Farouk, who forgive me were past their prime at the time they teamed them together. Both of them, Bradshaw didn't actually have a prime. And you put these characters, you put these two together, and together they're fun. Individually, nobody gave a rat's ass. Together, they were the APA and one of the most successful tag teams of WWE's Attitude Era. It's all in synthesizing something new out of two different pieces. Yeah, I would. T- I think I saw a stat like after this latest WrestleMania, maybe that the the Big Show has had like five wins at WrestleMania in tag teams, and they're all with a different partner. Mm. So I mean, <laughs> that all kind of creates its own buzz of who he's going to team up with, and you know that streak's going to continue. But also because you know, you have a guy like the Big Show who's enormous, and you can team him up with Jericho, who's not enormous, and then you can see what what comes of that and how they play off each other. And sure enough, you know, some of them are supposed to be faces or heels or the modern face heel, but Tween. Um, right. But uh, these guys are also good performers themselves. So the stuff that clearly they have come up with within the fight is sometimes just worth watching for you know. Just that extra energy of having two different, and really in this case, four different performers in mm-hmm. one ring at a time. I, I've got a question, though, about team-ups, because you were just saying, here, here's one that's big, here's one that's small. Mm-hmm. Is it important for a really good team-up to have people that are, I don't want to say complete opposites from one another, but that they are opposite enough from one another to where their differences, again, make that make the team-up worthwhile and interesting? No. That's... Well, go ahead. Go ahead, Rob. It's not necessary. My, some of my other favorite Marvel team-ups are Spider-Man and Human Torch, mm-hmm. or Spider-Man and Iceman, or those three together, mm-hmm. where the entire time they're just talking at a thousand miles a minute, cracking jokes, and right. being stupid teenagers. Right, right. And 
those team ups work really well for a hilarity factor. I mean, it's uh, you do have to have one. I think you have to have one end or the other. Like either they need to be as similar as those guys are, or pushed to a point where they actually mm. do have that slight contention. Well, but I mean, if you had, would a Spider-Man, Spider-Girl team up be super interesting? I don't think it would be special, but no. I yeah. think that it, it, a really wonderful team up from my youth wasn't actually Captain Marvel, but it was. When Superman first met Captain Thunder, who was a thinly veiled uh, Captain Marvel analog, they really played up the similarities between the two characters and their shtick. Mm-hmm. And it really worked because Captain Marvel and Superman are relatively similar in some ways, but it also played off those differences. And a good team. There you go again. Hold on, Matthew. Wait till you come back. Come back, Matthew. Let me tell you, the the team up of uh, of Matthew and computers is a terrible team up. Am I back? Yes. Awesome. Your good team-up manages to spotlight both characters. And one way to do that is to show how they're similar. Another way to do that is to show how they're different. But it's a spectrum. I mean, you can do, like, Flash and Batman, who really have nothing in common other than horrible taste in headgear. Right. And you can make that work. One of the greatest stories of in my childhood that I remember is, Bork can hurt you. Where this story, you know, has Flash, it has Batman. The characters are really not much alike in any of their aspects, in except that both them both. Mm-hmm. But it, you know, it's a really horrible story because it was well, and it took Flash and it did Flash as Flash. It's like Batman as Batman. <laughs> what? You're kind of you're, you're, you're cutting <laughs> in and out all over yes. the place. <laughs> but it's hilarious. I, I think Shut that. Your face, Stephen. <laughs> I, I, think I will talk slower to avoid the to, hiccup. To let things part. buffer. <laughs> yes. Um, I think I think that a good example, and this is a, a within team team up, and, and mm-hmm. this being a crossover, you know, we should mention it is uh, during when when they were hanging out. Spoiler alert on the moon, right? And we ended up with the Randus and Torque team up, and mm-hmm. the Smith mm-hmm. and Orem team up. And I think what really encapsulates that is the way that Randus and Torque climbed down from the parapet they were in, in that Torque just muscled his way down, and you basically just hear, Aah! and you see <laughs> Randus like, slide all the way down, just stop short of the ground on this line that, that he hooked to a wall. <laughs> and, that, and that right there is comedy and, yeah, and, yeah. And, and a situation that you wouldn't necessarily have if, if uh, Smith could just pick up two people and Sorcerer Sirocco them right. down to the ground. Right. But I, I'm just thinking because, you know, if you do have characters that are too similar to one another, as Matthew said, maybe it's not as special, but it's when you have two characters that are opposites that yeah. bring their unique talents but to the table, that's when some awesome can happen. Now, I'm not saying it always does, yeah. uh, but it can happen. Doc and have, Marty, you know. that. When you have two very similar characters, though, mm-hmm. you can also get that, that synthesis where you get two characters acting as one creature. And, you know, the the tag team of the Road Warriors is an example of that, where you don't ever say, you know who was a great wrestler? Hawk. No. <laughs> you talk about the Road Warriors together because they were similar, and they worked together in such a manner that they were essentially one creature, one being. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, you know, Batman and Robin in the 40s and 50s. You never saw one without the other, and when you did, it was kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Are there some team-ups, uh, Brian, that, that you've been thinking about that you haven't had a chance to spit out? 
Uh, kind of. I mean, I've uh, just been kind of looking. I mean, not really that's really any sort of crossover with anything. Right. But uh, elderly, you know, Elvis and JFK from Bubba Hotel. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's a good one. I mean, just an interesting way. Uh, I mean, I just kind of like how this came to be with the Revenant and PS238. How he's originally a character written as a one-shot mm-hmm. in a story by Michael Stackpole. Mm-hmm. He was then started up in an RPG in Champions 3rd Edition. Mm-hmm. And then was uh, basically used in the comic. I just like how that weird progression yeah. came that yeah. came into that works. All from different authors. Yeah. Actually, you know, you look at Night at the Museum. That's a, that's a team-up movie. Go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, robot chicken, just kind of in general. Just yeah, it's, it's it's all about that, just like random cartoons from the 80s. Yes. Mm-hmm. G.I. Joe, Transformers, He-Man, those things all existed! Yep. Yes. <laughs> okay, are there some team-ups that uh, you'd like to see that haven't happened yet, or that haven't happened in a while that you'd like to see come back together? Oh. Matthew? There are a couple that I loved that we never see anymore. The very first Superman-Spider-Man tabloid trade where it was just Superman and just Spider-Man and not like huge, you know, earth-shattering thing. Mm-hmm. They they basically played it as, oh, yeah, they, they never talk, but they're in the same universe. I love the way that they just got past all of the, you know, earth-building bull crap and went, hey, here's a story about Superman and Spider-Man. Right. You know, and then, <laughs> well, how are we going to do it? Uh, Red Kryptonite. Just <laughs> shut up and do it. Red Kryptonite. Red Kryptonite fixes everything. Yes. Um, I... I really loved when Black Canary teamed up with Starman in the Silver Age, and later James Robinson wrote this whole bit into why that was such a weird team-up and created this whole backstory of them having an affair and cheating on their spouses during these whole team-ups. That was, that was always fascinating to me. I want to see you know, a team-up that doesn't necessarily make sense upon your first viewing, but then later you're just like, oh my god, that's so perfect, I can't believe I didn't think of it. Rodrigo? Yeah, I think I think in comics, a lot of the time, we end up getting stuck on, you know, your Spider-Man, Human Torch, mm-hmm. you know, Wolverine and whoever else kind of team-ups. But there are there is, like, potential for really awesome team-ups. And it's not just hero-hero, there's hero-villain or, or two-villains type stuff. I mean, I love to see, like, a Mr. Fantastic Juggernaut. Team right, up. right. That'd be awesome. Interesting. Yes. I mean, think of all the stuff that you could do with that. Because, you know, the Juggernaut isn't just exactly like Ben Grimm. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got other stuff going on. Um, I don't know. I think uh, really teaming up anybody with uh, yeah. with Iron Fist is, is yes. kind of, it's kind of yeah. amazing. And again, you know, it's like, well, you got your Luke Cage and your Daughters of the Dragon mm-hmm. hanging out with Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Iron Fist any random inhuman, you know, Iron Fist Medusa, Iron Fist Lockjaw. Yeah. <laughs> Lockjaw anybody is yeah, awesome. Lock, true, Lockjaw anybody is yeah. awesome. Lockjaw is another Damien character. Yeah. You know what would be great? Maggot and Matter Eater Lad. Yeah, and, and you know, I was, <laughs> thinking, I was thinking about that, and I was like, you know, obviously, I think if I had picked up the Legion earlier, I would be a bigger Legion fan, because I was like, you know what are two guys that would be an awesome team-up? Maggot and Speedball. I was like, oh, wait. <laughs> I've seen that before. Yes. Yep. Well, you know, um, one of, there are s- some films that I really, really enjoy um, because they're ensemble pieces. Yes. Like when you look at uh, The okay, Great Escape. Okay, Nine Girls and One Guy is not a No, no, no. Uh, when, you look at, when you look at The Great Escape, 
Uh, when you look at the Magnificent Seven, mm-hmm. when you look at uh, Great Escape, Magnificent Seven, Ocean's uh, Eleven. Ocean's Al- well, that's the modern version mm-hmm. of those great, you know, great ensemble movies well, of the time. Ocean's Eleven was in '66. That great yeah, ensemble yeah, yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah, it is. You're right. <laughs> and you know, I think I, I would up, really Andrew. like to see more ensemble pieces where Definitely. we're bringing some of yes. the best and not just and I'm not talking mad 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 world kind of stuff because mm-hmm. that is an awesome I am. that's an awesome <laughs> grouping or, of or, or a- like, actors or like an Austin Powers thing where they're just right. tons of cameos yeah, yeah. I want to see where the characters are playing off of each other and working together and Ocean's Eleven I think is a great uh, for the first film at least was a great uh, team-up of actors yeah. to tell a, a really, really fun story, and mm-hmm. I'd like to see more of that. Oh, definitely. I, I, the ensemble movie, you see it very, very rarely. Because I think it's so expensive. I, I think yeah. the last one we saw was probably a Prairie Home Companion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and you know... I don't uh, think it's just a matter of expense, though. I think it's a matter of uh-huh. ego. Rat race. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and it does come into billing on that. Um, and, and that does become a part of the problem. But, I mean, w- Christopher Nolan is basically building this ensemble group of actors that are continuously working together. Now, they're not always the same group of actors that I would want to see working right. together because I, I don't put, I you know, the, the kid from uh, Third Rock from the Sun at the same level as mm-hmm. a George Clooney or a Matt Damon or something mm-hmm. like that. Right. Um, but you're right. It is an ego thing, and it's often a money thing because sure. now when some of these actors are commanding between 5 and $20 million a film... Mm-hmm. You know, you try to get five great actors in there, and you've blown your budget just off of that alone. Yeah. So, was it, the, yeah. was it the replacements, the one that has all the old guys? Uh, the uh, yeah. not the replacements. It the was the Expendables. The Expendables. Yeah, right, yeah. Right. that was the so other that, one that's done that. That that weirdly, it's a, it's an actor team up piece where mm-hmm. you're like, oh my god, Dolph Lundgren is in this. Yes. Did Although, you ever see that? I, did, I haven't got. I haven't seen it either. I I need to see that is the best murder face impersonation I have ever heard. I will finish Planet Piff next year. Like the one. One thing, like the uh, one uh, thing I liked from uh, Scream Three was like just how Jay and Silent Bob show up out of nowhere, nice. and I really kind of wish they just do that in more movies, just have yeah, more characters, yeah, from like other. that movies yeah. that like, have nothing have to do and with Ted Kevin just Smith. zap in and just yep. call cause havoc for five minutes. For, yep. for now, Bill movies. and Ted, another great team up. Well, movie. yeah, if we're talking, you know, <laughs> some crossover things, there was a series on HBO, and I forget what it was, but it was all of these, and I, it's not extras because that's a different. Uh, uh, series, but it's one where it was following these struggling actors, and they were trying to get as many parts as you could. And there was a scene where, and it was in uh, the Constantine movie, or the whatever mm-hmm. it was, yeah. uh, nice. where this girl got an extra part in that movie. And so you, there's this scene where she's like, okay, you're going to be walking down the street and you get to pass Keanu Reeves, and she was all excited as a character in that piece. And uh, so I was like, oh, well, that's a neat kind of way to tie into a movie production and make yeah. this seem more real. Mm-hmm. And then I sat in the film, and sure enough, in that movie, they had her as an extra. She nice. was a main character in the, in the HBO series. Mm-hmm. But then here she is walking as the extra in that scene from the film. And I was like, wow, that is a very cool yeah. thing to yeah. do. And I, and I kind of like that because it ties things back together, even though it's more kind of yeah. gimmicky. Let's try there to get was, people into the Constantine well, movie. There was there a was movie that... Uh, Elijah Wood shot while they were shooting The Lord of the Rings, like mm, he directed mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. and it stars like I think one of the hobbits, I forget which one, and one of the hobbits doubles, who is this <laughs> tiny, tiny woman. She is like f- less than four feet tall, mm-hmm. and it's just this little story. Where I think it doesn't even have any dialogue, and it's like, well, that's one of the hobbits and one of the hobbits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there's a there's a really cool bit in an episode of Scrubs where. JD is trying to figure out yes. who the janitor is. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. the, jan- the actor who played the janitor was in The Fugitive. In the- 
and he was sitting there watching the fugitive and he sees the janitor in the fugitive and it becomes a really fascinating part of that character story where it's like oh well let's play off this piece of you know this piece of knowledge that we have where the janitor is a failed actor and mm-hmm. i love that you know just that little bit where they acknowledge the existence of a greater reality and you know kind of enter that team up territory because he met harrison ford yeah yeah yeah. you know you always have those uh kind of actor shout outs in which uh Mm -hmm. for example you have shatner and lithgow in the same place and they're both the same guy from the twilight zone right right and you have um you know uh christopher lloyd show up in spin city you know Mm -hmm. things like that Mm -hmm. are are there some other team ups that you want to see alex Hmm. i don't know (laughs) Besides I've Puppet Yoda and CGI Yoda. <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be sweet? <laughs> <laughs> that would be crazy. And, and, and also, what's her name? Like Orca or something like that? Ogra from uh, Dark Crystal? Oh. Since they're all three the <laughs> oh, same yeah, character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one that I kind of disappointed that they didn't really fully do was, I believe, in the Star Wars Tales series of comics they did. Uh, basically, something that was called, like, Indie Meets Han. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't ever yes. actually meet, though. So, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was always disappointed. And I, I actually, I did a retro review of that thing a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, really it's, awful. It's an awesome story. <laughs> did you think of one, Alex? i got to keep hitting your mic. No, not really. <laughs> I've just been you know one that was just hitting great. Alex on the head, like, bam! <laughs> uh, I'll think of something <laughs> really soon if you stop hitting me. One that was, that was great a few years ago was they did, and this was right after Jeff Johns relaunched uh, Hal Jordan as a giant swinging dick. Um, they did a crossover with Supergirl and Green Lantern, and uh, throughout the issue, you kept seeing oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, thought balloons where Hal is like, "She's seventeen. She's seventeen. She's seventeen. She's seventeen. She's seventeen. I love the you know just that little character bit. I didn't care for the story necessarily, but the fact that Green Lantern had to keep reminding himself that the half naked hot chick was underage was kind of cool. Well, yeah. she's in college now, I think, so... Oh, well, there you go. Um, she's watched all the college movies, at least. There you go. Rob, do you have a team-up that that uh, hasn't been done or you, we haven't seen in a while that you would like to see? <laughs> eh? Eh? Nothing? Oh, there's, you know, right now, Magic is doing kind of a weird super-duper team-up um, yeah. in that uh, they took Mirrodin and they reintroduced the Phyrexians in it. So, <laughs> yeah. Phyrexia one, right? Yay! No, oh I was, I was, I was I very was happy about that. Stoked to hear that one. Um, the bad guys one. Yeah, the bad guys one, <laughs> oh, right. um, which you rarely the, ever the get. The Cybermen one. But basically. you know, you have, you know, the the Phyrexians have a but huge history in magic, so. mm-hmm. and Mirrodin was a very important point in magic history because they introduced artifact or uh, right. equipment, right? Really. Um, Mirrodin was a huge point. They introduced equipment. They went to the like race class system for creatures. Yeah. New uh, new borders new after borders. the previous edition. Yeah. So I, Magic was just kind of this giant rehaul. Yeah, it was kind of re- mildly, it got a soft reboot at at Mirrodin. So bringing these two things, kind of what Magic was and what kickstarted new Magic, and blending them together has actually been really interesting to watch. And of course now new Phyrexia, you will be seeing other aspects of Mirrodin that the Phyrexians took apart and attached to themselves. Okay, Matthew, you hinted at something that we can't leave the show without talking about. Uh, Again, depending on when it airs here in the U.S., and I'm pretty sure that it kicks off the same weekend in England as it does here, is uh, Doctor Who, which aired, by the time you guys listen to this, three days ago, by the time we record this, it's still two weeks away. Mm. So is it an awesome team-up? When the doctors team up with the with themselves, the doctors, yes, yes and I'll just... tell you why. It gives you those 
awesome moments, and I'm I'm now taking over, and you must all listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm the oldest and the fattest, and that gives me you're some not sort the of oldest, all right, all right, but you are right. the fattest. But the, some of my, in fact, I'm going to say this: my very favorite Doctor Who stories are multiple Doctors. I think the Five Doctors was early enough in my uh, Doctor Who consumption that it really, it really catalyzed the whole thing for me. The Five Doctors was amazing, and notably, the Doctor that I like the least is missing from that story. But <laughs> Time Crash, where the fifth Doctor and the tenth Doctor have like a seven-minute adventure, and basically David Tennant, the actor in character, says to Peter Davison, the actor, you were my Doctor. I tear up thinking about that sequence. And there's no, you know, no big villain, no overarching thing. Sure, there's they're going to blow a hole in the space-time <laughs> continuum the size of Belgium. But well, when are they okay, not? Now, now, now exactly. tell, me, tell me if I'm wrong on this. You are. Uh, didn't in this series uh, they explain away the fact that uh, the Peter Peter Davison's character is older because of time becoming yes. unlocked? See, the doctor clearly says the reason that he looks older is the time. If the two of us appearing together shorted out the time differential. And if you look back at the two doctors, the second doctor showed up in a sixth doctor story looking predictably ten years older, which is amazing because it had been twenty five years, right? Uh-huh. And in the five doctors, you look at the first and second and third doctor. The third doctor looks twenty years older. The fifth, the second doctor looks a couple years older. First doctor looks like a completely different guy. <laughs> and okay. If you look at if you go back to the three doctors, yes. the first doctor is clearly a very old, very sick man. Right. Which he was never quite that sickly during his own realm. So, yeah, I like that explanation of well. We don't age because we're immortal time lords, but something happens when we come together that screws up all of our worlds. Okay, time travel is a huge, huge team-up engine. Yes. I mean, you you don't just have people like Teddy Roosevelt <laughs> and you, you know Abraham Lincoln teaming up, but you also have stuff where you team up with yourself. Uh huh. Stuff where you team up with your children, like basically the whole. Uh, yeah. Couple like there's been entire arcs of of Booster comics Gold. like yeah Booster Gold exactly that are based around teaming up with your descendants. Yep. Okay, and next next are... weekend I'm gonna go back in time and team up with the Golden Age Matthew. Now yep. who wants to who wants to have their mind trip? So uh, the two doctors, yeah. Davison yes. and and Tennant, uh, <laughs> meet together, right? right? Right. So then years later we get an episode called the Doctor's Daughter, mm-hmm. who. Right is Peter Davidson's real-life daughter. Mm-hmm. Tenet right. and the Doctor's daughter fall in love with each other and marry, mm-hmm. yes. and now they actually have a daughter together. Nice. Figure that in your time stream, that's, and your that's mind That's like five different levels of meta. Yes. It's kind of like the time that Miracle Man teamed up with Captain Britain. But you want to talk about being nerd royalty. <laughs> yes, let's oh call, talk about God, naming our child. kids after the fathers of superheroes. Yep. She can go to conventions and book rooms right now and just say, Yes, I'm the granddaughter of the Doctor, and I'm also the great-granddaughter of the other Doctor, and I'm the daughter of the daughter of the Doctor. <laughs> And that's all she has to say, and everybody will just go, yay, we love you. That kid is going to be so screwed up. (laughs) I had just recently watched The Three Doctors on Netflix, so i got to echo it. At least the beginning part of that section, where they did have the second and the third Doctor together and bickering with each other. It's just so much entertainment. But 
If, have you seen The Five Doctors? No, I have not yet. You need There's to go a see beautiful moment in The Five Doctors where Doctor Two and Doctor Three meet up. And you remember in The Three Doctors, they had that kind of tumultuous relationship. Yes. And the second Doctor is still like, hmm, still seeing menace in your own shadow. And uh, like they meet up every day, like they're friends who meet for coffee, and they're giving each other crap like you and Rob. Mm-hmm. I love that moment because they're the same person. They're giving each other crap, and they're the same guy. That's just brilliant. That's like a whole new level of mind-blown right there. And then later, one of their granddaughters marries themselves to have their own great-granddaughter, who is also them. Wow. I'm my own grandpa. Yep. It's the why of fry. I ain't yep. daddy. Uh, he did the nasty and the pasty. Yep. All right, so uh, I guess before we get out of here, uh, I did say that the, the the kids are named after comic book heroes. Is the or really characters, not heroes? Mm-hmm. Um, good idea, bad idea. I bad think idea. I think you're doing it right. Here, yes. If if you're gonna do it, then you got to do it with something that's subtle. I yeah. mean, your kids are named, uh, you know, Mason and Tom. No one's right, right, right. You yeah. know, no one's really gonna bat an mm-hmm. eye to that um maybe mason's middle name but how often yeah. is that gonna come up only when he gets in trouble <laughs> i went to school with a guy named jor-el mm-hmm. who was not named after superman's dad his his name was actually just jor-el yeah yeah and that's actually so, whenever we were naming him we looked and there's actually two different versions of jor-el one without the hyphen it was it was a very common mm-hmm. naming convention and then one with the hyphen it was like used for people who want to name it after uh, Superman or an homage to Superman's father. So, right. I, I will say this. My children, Venkman, Tenzel, and Smugpuff, <laughs> have no complaints <laughs> because they don't know. But when they get old enough to realize what I've named them in reference to, then they're going to hate me forever and probably well, and, you know, you know, grow it's, up like, like Crystal Chandelier and change their name to something like Doug. Well, you know, there are some that are very, you know, uncommon. I mean, very common, but you wouldn't catch it. Like a number of people who name their kid Logan, mm-hmm. right? Um, but then you have some people that will want to change Luke. their name, yeah. Luke. Uh, then there are some people who want to change their name to Nick Cage. Yeah, you know, Way- for example, Wedge. Yeah. Um, so my daughter, you know, my daughter Wedge. The whole the whole naming convention with. Um, you know, Jorel was just something that I had always loved that name, and I was just like, "Oh, we got to name our kid that." Nice. Have you met my wife, Herbie the Love Bug? And then, uh, you know, with uh, uh, the second one, if it was going to be a girl, I was really pushing for Kara Zorel, and man, my wife would not go for that. <laughs> yeah, but yes. wasn't she just upset it about it because she didn't, she didn't like somebody like named Kara? Yeah, yeah, she's somebody yeah. that she knew was. Well, you Karen. can't you can't name your child if you knew a whore named Angie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, your yeah. child cannot be named Angie because yeah. you will always represent that whore in your mind. Yep. I do want to mention that my sister named her kid Inara. Oh, really? Firefly, yes. Yours, and <laughs> your I, sister is awesome and horrible all at the exactly. same time. <laughs> well, but is that so horrible? I mean, it's well, not, you know, some people... Well, she's a space hooker. Yeah, I, I, well. I told her, I want to be there when your daughter asked you why she was named after a space hooker. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, awesome and horrible, that kind of makes sense with her. Uh, they recently put a video on Facebook of her, like, playing with her like a cat with a Oh, laser, laser pointer. pointer. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, well, but you know, nice. you know, uh, don't, don't point Kevin. that stuff out. Human, like uh, <laughs> children's services looks at that stuff. Well, you know, Kevin yeah. Smith named his daughter Harley Quinzel. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Is is the kid's full name, and he outright yes. says it's because I love that uh, character, Quinn, and we yes. wanted to name her Harley Quinn. And you know, I don't see a problem with it. And and hopefully, you know, DC I legal or one of the mother legal does. doesn't well, get someday, stuck uh, on her name. That. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Hey, hey, you know, bad. 
So uh, do you guys who have not had kids yet ever ever foresee a time where you might name your kid after a Okay, first of all, no one who has not had kids on this panel is allowed to reproduce by order <laughs> of the Attorney General no of argument. the United States of America. Um, I will let that Alex have kids. pool is already hypercoloric. I will let Alex have other Yeah, but not kids. with each other. Well, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, my, dad has, my dad has very frequently... Wait, like, what's your dad's name? Exactly. My dad has looked at me and said... I know that the only way that you would name your child Mario is if you were naming him after Mario Mario. Right, right, right. After Super (laughs) Mario. And I was like, yes, I would. No, but what I would do is uh, his first name would be Super. Right. And then his middle name would be Mario after you, father. (laughs) 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 Now, I, uh, I would actually take a cue from Futurama and name my first son. No, that was Taranga. My first son, uh, after my little brother, Philip. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, oh, well, that's sweet. Like, that I thought you were going to say his middle name would be Bending. <laughs> <laughs> now, my uh, one of my favorite episodes of Futurama is the uh, Seven Leaf Clover yeah, episode. Yeah, 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 where, yeah. You know, I mean, he goes. Uh, he thinks his brother Washington stole his identity. His brother stole his identity, and you mm-hmm. find out that you know it was named nephew. for his nephew. Or his nephew was named after him because he went missing, and I thought that was. Simply yeah. one of the uh, nicest, sweetest things you could actually do for mm-hmm. your family, and would be proud to name my son after my brother. Yeah. Okay. I will probably have kids at some point. Whether I will name them after <laughs> superheroes, I think whether I will name them after something. Well, you know, you could end up like George Foreman, uh, no. and uh, just name them Number all George. Them. Yes, George, one through George, seven. Never, oh, never, George, never. George. I've, I could I could name my kids basically in the same way that I name monsters for my game and yeah. uh, basically <laughs> oh, be like, so hey, hey, that which calls to the shadows, come here. Yeah. You got something on your face. Excuse me, she who slashed mommy's vagina. Come over. <laughs> oh. Oh. That 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 which ruined mommy's figure. <laughs> he who cost daddy twenty seven thousand yeah. dollars a year. All right, everybody. That As we cannot be undone. Thank you, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch! Oh. That All kid right. would not uh. have a good life. As we get out of here, let's take a listen to some of the people who have called in. Some of them will be other major spoilers people. Other will be some of you uh, uh, listeners. We appreciate everybody who has called in, and thank you for indulging us this week as we uh, take some time off. As it looks right now, episode 300 will not air on Saturday. Because some of us are going to be too busy to sit down and record another episode. But we might. I don't know. But right now, episode mm-hmm. 300 uh, probably will not happen. So we will see you next week. We'll just jump to 301. Yeah, we'll just jump to 301. Uh, we'll just jump to next week. Uh, and uh, but I don't know what we're going to talk about because I'm a little punchy right we'll, now. We'll figure it out. But remember, we know that you love comics, and we do too. And we'll Was talk with you soon. Bus? Yes, also, the, uh, we're the bus hoping that all your... Uh Dice rolls are critical hits. And all your dice rolls are critical hits. Wait, we haven't fought yet. Brian, come here. (laughs) (laughs) And as usual, I win it all. Uh, I rolled a nat 20. You all suck. Woohoo! And Brian rolled a uh, a one. Way to go. Brian, two, three. (laughs) Okay, Larry King here. I'd like to talk about team-ups. Some real, some not so much. Really, when someone says team-up, the first thing that springs to my mind is that the team-up of Green Lantern and Green Arrow by Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams. Though this is a comic that has been lauded over the years and have heard its praises, I've never read it. I I just take people at their word and don't really care to see a junkie Roy Harper slash Speedy shooting up or a Hal getting a talking to for 
not sticking up for the downtrodden of Earth as he does for those of alien worlds. Though other team-ups have me pick up something I wouldn't otherwise, such as a seemingly unstoppable Marvel Zombies series, which I picked up for Volume 5 of for the simple reason I had X-51 and Howard the Duck teaming up to stop the undead from wreaking havoc on their own world. Now, I will say I didn't bother picking any of the previous Marvel Zombies. I could care less. I just didn't want to miss out on this great team-up of two characters who I feel are iconic and not given the proper respect other than in Next Wave. Um, that was for X-51. <laughs> While some things don't seem to die, other things change over time. That, the dynamic, the team-up of Superman and Batman. Now, their friendship has ranged from Bats wanting to punch Superman's face in because he's a totalitarian tool, to that of them changing, uh, switching each other's identities so they can fool some criminal or fool Lois Lane. It, in a sometimes convoluted and most of the time crazy plot. Now, speaking of crazy, I do like crazy team-ups. Like that of the Fantastic Force thing and Shang-Chi Master of Kung Fu. Because really, what kind of team-up is that? It's an awesome one. That's what. Battling Hydra, Spider-Woman showing up in the issue. Really, how can you go wrong with that? You can't. Every which way you turn, it's awesome. Now, in the real world, some team-ups have changed the four-color pamphlet forever. Like, such as the team-up of Joe Simon and Jack Kirby, which brought us the great stuntman. You know, stuntman. He, okay, okay. Um, the other great character that they created, you know, Blue Bolt. Uh, okay, uh, I guess you all know the, what Captain what's him call it? Yeah, yeah, uh, America, America, that's it. With his fetish to punching Hitlers in ovens? Well, if it wasn't for them two teaming up, you know, you wouldn't have Fighting American, a parody of the, which started out as a hard right-wing Captain America, pun you know, like instead of punching Nazis, he punches uh, commies, pinkos. But that spun out to Jack teaming up with another person by the name of Stan Lee, which Basically, you own, uh, all the Marvel, current Marvel Universe would not exist if it wasn't for Stan and Jack teaming up. Now, they, there would be no Fantastic Four, no X-Men, Incredible Hulk, Avengers, and other greats such as Silver Surfer and the cosmic baddie known as Galactus. And if for no team-up of Stan and Jack, there would be no team-up to sour and make Jack go to the Distinguished Competition and create the Fourth World, Commandy, OMAC, Etrigan. You wouldn't have that. And then Thus, you wouldn't have this multimedia empire that w that spans cartoons, toys, and multi-million dollar movies, as well as the pop culture lexicon. You know, it, you, things, things find a way. And though these did happen, there are just one or two that we kind of wish. Like, anybody want a Captain Planet Kool-Aid Man team up? Uh, anyone? Uh, how about Travis Bickle and Ponyboy Curtis? Okay, I'll take that time as a uh, sign I should quit while I'm ahead. Hello there, Major Spoilers. Scott Hunter here, and I have been commanded to talk about my favourite team-up. So for me, I'd have to say it's the Three Doctors, a Doctor Who serial from the early 1970s. And the basic plot of this thing is that something is uh, draining energy from a time loss. It's being drained from a black hole. Just go with it. It's Doctor Who science. And um, they're forced to break the first law of time. So desperate are they. Um, and then allow the Doctor, and he's the third Doctor at this time, to summon his past selves in order to stop the energy drain. 
And the funny thing about the three doctors, I think, is that if you look at the script, it's not really that good. The basic idea is alright, but I think the story is rather stretched thin over four episodes, and the effects are pretty hokey as well. Um, well, it's Doctor Who, and the effects are going to be the one thing, but even for 72, I think the effects are pretty bad. So, why is this serial my favourite team-up of all time? Well, as you might have guessed, the joy of these episodes lies in the interaction between John Pertwee and Patrick Troughton, and to a lesser extent William Hartnell, but we'll get to that in a minute. Just seeing Persby and Troughton on screen together is a complete joy. It's like seeing your two favourite uncles joking around together. And when Hartnell is in it, and he wasn't in it that much due to his... Um, he had various health problems, and he only appeared in small segments, never on screen with Troughton and Persby. But even so, his performance um, is really is as great as theirs. He takes on that brilliant grandfatherly-like role, and... Um, he he's rather disapproving of his replacements, which is um, quite funny. And this singular aspect of the serial, I think, elevates it from something that would be quite below average to an absolute must-see. And my favourite team of all time. It's flaws in the story... I think, and in the execution, make it more charming in a way. There's something admirable about how such a serial manages to be classic despite its flaws, and the emphasis that they placed quite wisely on interaction between the Doctors is something I think its success of the Five Doctors really missed out on. So the Three Doctors is a must-see for any Doctor Who fan, I think, and my favourite team-up of all time. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. It's Jamba in Delaware. I'm going to review the movie Super, written and directed by James Gunn. Now, Gunn, uh, he's, he's done films uh, like those two live-actions, or well, he wrote those two live-action Scooby-Doo flicks, and he uh, wrote and directed the underrated Slither. A uh, good flick if you guys ain't seen it. Uh, it's interesting fare, though, in comparison to this uh, pseudo-superhero picture this one stars uh, Rain Wilson, uh, Doit on The Office. Uh, it's got Kevin Bacon, Ellen Page, and uh, Liv Tyler. Uh, now, this movie is not for the kids, man. It is vulgar, it's bloody, and there's a plethora of chuckles, but it's kind of in a dark humor kind of way. It's not Iron Man, but it's not quite kick-ass either. Uh, Rain Wilson, he plays Frank Diarbo, and he's... Madly, and I'm going to stress that in love with uh, Liv Tyler, who is a recovering addict. And through flashbacks, you know, we'll see that you know their marriage was kind of a rash decision by this kind of weird character and and her wino. Uh, now, when Tyler Sarah leaves Frank for Kevin Bacon, who plays a drug pushing guy named Jock, Frank has a slightly huge meltdown, and uh, with the help of uh, Divine Vision from God's Finger and a cameo by uh, Nathan Fillion uh, as a uh, TV superhero called the Holy Avenger. He creates the alter ego of the Crimson Bolt. Now, determined to fight crime in order to win back the love of uh, Sarah, and he decides also in the long way to uh, right the wrongs of an uh, insensitive society, if you will. And while Kick has had the protagonist who was a comic fan from the start, you know, Super's uh, Crimson Bolt he has no idea what he is doing other than God has chosen him to do it. So, enter Libby, or Bolty, uh, Ellen Page's character. She's a clerk at the local comic shop. Now, Page helps guide 
Wilson's Crimson Bolt in a in a stretch of road, most likely called Insanity. This movie is is violent. Uh, it's violent in a way that has you slapping your knees, laughing until you start to cringe. It's it's in other words, hilariously awesome. Yeah, I won't give away the ending, but uh, Batman and Robin—they are not these guys. Uh, Bolty and the Crimson Bolt—they're more like itchy and scratchy. Uh, the Crimson Bolt and and Bolty at the towards the end, they lay an assault on the uh, Jock's compound that would make Frank Castle blush, and the language in play would have Garth Ennis wanting to wash his mouth out with soap. Super, it's a good time. It's a different take on superheroes in the vein of Kick-Ass, but with a twist that kind of, you know, reminds you that there's all sorts of ways to save someone, including yourself. I'd give it three and a half slices of meatloaf if I didn't hate having to give away meatloaf. So instead, I'm going to give it three and a half pipe wrenches out of five. So until the next time, shut up, crime. Hey, Major Spoilers, this is Zan. Uh, I recently found your podcast on iTunes, and I took up your request for mouse, and I went to throw and bought one. Uh, first, I was like, I looked at the art, and I didn't think it was very pleasing because of all, it, it kind of looked a little childish, unrefined, kind of like doodles, but it kind of grows on you throughout the story. Uh, as for the story itself, it, I, I enjoyed it a lot. You guys were talking about how it was like, family, connecting the son and father, all of a sudden, it, it, it's a great story, I actually enjoyed it, so after that I picked up the second book, that was, that was also pretty good, uh, I, I, I can't really say how I would feel, because I'm, it, it, it made me feel kind of bad reading it, but in the end, it, you're right, it had a very unresolved issues, and I just didn't feel complete reading it, so it. I guess that's how it's supposed to make you feel because he he got he got his issues. He never really went with his father and told him how he felt and everything, but it how his father and him were like connected over the stories was really emotional and stuff. After reading all these books, I kind of went over to my dad and I was like, "Dad, you got you got to read this," and we kind of connected too over this, so. It, it, thanks for reviewing that book. It was really good. I liked it. And, uh, yeah, hope you guys keep making awesome podcasts. Uh, if I ever get a credit card, I'll totally donate some money to you guys. So, bye. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash majorspoilers and on MySpace at myspace.com slash majorspoilers. Fat Dick's revision of Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, they kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. 
not a bad way If I was hulking green or gray I could just bust through that brick wall Take their comic books away But then the little meat would deal With all the tanks and bombs and guns Have you ever tried to read a series With all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan How would I back and board my comics With such a chance? Guess I already told ya What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah what a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm star raving rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine be in the Middle East With a king santo and soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler This has been a Major Spoilers podcast Copyright 2011 Goodbye See you on the next show